Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Spartan racer and mountain runner, Johnny Luna Lima. Johnny and I had an amazing conversation around the injuries he's experienced and what he's done to, one, rehab from them, but two, create a more resilient body so he decreases his risk of injury going forward. Regardless of what stage you are in right now, if you are injured, have been injured in the past, or want to decrease your risk of injury, you will find some very valuable information in this interview. So let's tune in. Johnny, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Excited to be on the show. (laughs) Awesome. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I love, we talked before this recording as far as your background, your history. So I'm really excited to dive into it to really get into, to share with our listeners, like injuries happen and just really talk about how you've dealt with them and also what you're doing now to decrease that risk as much as possible. Um, But first let's get into your background. How did you actually get into being a Spartan racer and a mountain runner? Um, so growing up, I played soccer competitively. I think I started playing when I was around four or five and I played until I was 19 years old. And then during, I guess, while I was playing soccer, my dad was a marathoner. Well, he still is a marathoner, but every time he went to a marathon, uh, I would just run one of the shorter distances, whether it was the kids race, 5k, 10k or half marathon. Um, so through, I guess, I started when I got into college. Um, I was playing, played for about a year where I unfortunately got pretty burnt out from playing soccer. So I decided to hang my cleats up. And then in that process, I saw Spartan Race on TV. And I just thought the idea of rugged mountain running was just so exciting. And uh, that I could totally do this thing. And then a couple months later, I found myself at the start line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Had you ever, so coming from soccer, had you ever done anything as far as upper body to be ready for any, obviously Spartan is very running, but had you prepared in order for the upper body part of the obstacles at all? Uh, just in normal soccer training, I guess. Uh, and development academies they have you doing quite a bit of weight training and um I guess upper body training and I personally I would train a lot on my own when I was younger um so I don't know I'd train like one two hours a day two hours really of just cleaning up my soccer skills and just doing anything from pull-ups to squats to lunges so I had a quite a bit of upper body strength once I already got into Spartan Race but when I decided to sign up for the Spartan race, I did, I did my homework. So I knew what kind of obstacles were ahead of me and whatnot. So I made sure I had a strong enough grip strength for everything. Awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> Important. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But What'd you start with as far as distance wise for a race? Um, my first Spartan race was, what they call super, which is eight to 10 miles. So yeah. And then I mean, there's a, two other distances in Spartan races. There's the sprint, which is three to five miles. And then there's the beast, which is generally 11 to 14 miles, depending on the 
location and course. Um, but yeah, my first race was a super and I, I enjoy more the beast distance. That's probably my favorite distance out of all of them. Just, um, same thing as far as mountain running. Do you like the longer distances better in general when you're training? Um, yeah, I definitely like distances that are over two hours. Um, like it's not that I'm bad at the shorter distances but I think I just enjoy it a lot more the two-hour distance like yes you're still running uh similar paces you're still running really hard for like I don't know any distance that's like two to four hours but something about that distance just excites me you can cover more ground you see more um but yeah I'd say that's definitely my my favorite distance awesome I like it let's talk a little bit um you were burnt out with soccer got into spartan racing but there's also some injuries that happened during that time as well um let's kind of talk about the stress fractures and kind of the whole process that you went through with all that yeah so um i played soccer for a lot of years and uh it's funny because you you have so many kids playing at such a high level, you know, essentially like the, the feeder programs that send you into professional programs. And you'd think that they'd have good professionals working with these kids that are training two to four hours a day, you know? So like in my whole soccer career, uh, we didn't, we didn't have one, I guess now that I look back at it, like one, like good strength coach and we didn't focus on injury prevention, you know? Uh, they told us to stretch, but nobody even knows what that means when you're like, I don't know, up until like college, probably most athletes don't know what that is. So, uh, um, unfortunately, uh, so I guess so many years of just playing soccer, all my, a lot of my soft tissue just got really tight. Um, I slowly started losing lots of range of motion. Like it got to the point, like I was, I don't know, like. 19 years old and I couldn't I could barely touch my toes it's like it's like dude you have the mobility of I don't know someone way older than you <laughs> um, that's just not normal you know um and I, I definitely wasn't the only one but like at the time like we just thought like yeah that's how it is you know like we're soccer players we don't need to deal with any of this other stuff and it's all fun in games until um I don't know it was all fun in games until I was like 19 years old where I was virtually like indestructible. Like I played soccer, um, like, yeah, I'd roll my ankles, but I just played through it. And then like pain would cease at some point. But then um, playing in college, I got, I got into hard tackle, which bruised my left tibia, um, right mid shaft, um, which developed into a stress fracture. Um, and then that also just, I guess, added to the burnout I was feeling. And I was just really frustrated. So I decided to stop playing. And then that took about three months to heal. And then, but uh, it's funny, because I, I, I went to orthopedic doctor and um, he was like, yeah, once it heals, you're fine. Like it won't come back, whatever. And I was like, okay, I guess I don't need to do any real rehab for it. Like I didn't even, I was like, yeah, it makes sense. It's a bone, you know? <laughs> but <laughs> who would have known that, that bone density does change and, like, the tissue is very alive and adapts. Um, but then, so after that first tibial stress fracture healed, I got into mountain running, uh, just running in general. 
um, and Spartan racing. And then about, um, I'd say about five, six months into my Spartan race career, um, I started getting symptoms again of um, stress fracture in the same location. And then I was like, it's impossible. Like I already healed their phantom pains, blah, 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 and all this. But then it got to the point, like, um, that I was just limping with every run, just running through tons of pain. And then like, I found myself literally like <laughs> doping myself before competition, like taking like three to four Advils or ibuprofens, which is awful for <laughs> just so I could compete. But then, uh, um, I was like, this is ridiculous. And then I got an x-ray and then there it was. It was like, it definitely progressed farther than a stress fracture. Like it was a good quarter of the way through the tibia. Um, so it was a pretty big thing. And then that took about, that was definitely over a year to heal. But um, yeah, I got to the point that I went to a bunch of doctors and they're like yeah chance of this healing is really slim blah 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 and like they wanted to put a titanium rod through my tibia but then I kept searching and searching until I found one doctor he's like no this can totally heal we're gonna do shockwave therapy and then some other oh I forgot the name of the therapy but um it was like some sort of intravenous therapy that helped to uh, stimulate um bone density and um just healing in general and then yeah within a month of starting that treatment, it was healed, which was incredible. But then in that process, while I was wait, essentially waiting for my tibia to heal, um, I met Dr. Justin Brink. He works out of San Jose, California. Um, he's a chiropractor, but with um, a lot of, uh, he's really worked to, um, he's taken all the courses to help essentially um teach people how to heal themselves so to say how to restore their own mobility and whatnot um and then so the first day with him i did a movement screening and then he was like you know why you have a stress fracture there and he was like because you have no ankle mobility your tissues like can't load the way because they're so tight right now and then i was like whoa that's wild tell me more <laughs> and then he essentially taught me a lot of just he helped me regain a lot of my mobility um, and helped me get back to running. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And it was a long process. It was just like lots of just doing the small things for hours and hours and hours. Um, and yeah, really grateful to have linked up with him in that time because um, I was in need of sort of a, a mentor like that to teach me that like, yes, like the body is, although we focus sports and certain movement patterns, the body is always meant to move in a huge diversity of movement patterns and carry different loads and all that to be healthy. So I say that's the biggest piece I learned with him. That's awesome. Yeah. It's such a forgotten thing. It's like we, we stay in our own little box of movements and people tend to forget that we actually have this right range of motion that we actually use on a day to day basis. And it's an important range to actually maintain. Oh yeah. And it's, it's dangerous because it starts from such a young age. You know, you have kids that just like right out the gate from when they're four, not four, that's, but like when they're super young, they start focusing on one sport, whether it's track and field or swimming or um, I don't know, only basketball, like ball sports are a little better for the case because they are so diverse in movement and loading patterns. 
but um yeah it's it's dangerous you know um we forget that we're such dynamic beings you know like humans are meant to be able to carry heavy loads um climb jump off things run walk for extended periods periods of times roll on the ground you know and it's like all these different types of loads just help stimulate different physiological processes in the body which are so important for keeping us healthy you know it's like i'm not even talking about like musculoskeletal health what all links together but i mean heavy loads um help stimulate hormonal changes and then all stuff like that you know yeah absolutely and it's interesting too um i get these conversations all the time that like I hear people say like, well, I'm 50. I shouldn't have, should be able to squat all the way down or I shouldn't be able to do that. Like it's just my age. But then you look at these other cultures that are very like farming heavier, just very movement heavy. Um, and it's like, no, they can squat all the way down until they're like 90, <laughs> you know, or till death yeah, essentially, or they're carrying that. heavy yeah. things for their entire life. And it's like, it's like, when did we get in this mindset that's like, I'm this age, so I can't do this anymore. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, I'm originally from Brazil. And then when I go back there, um, we, we're from a pretty rural area. Um, so there you still have people working the fields, you know, cutting sugarcane and just like plowing fields with their bare hands. And these people, like, they're not in their 20s. They're well into their 60s and 70s but they're just super strong. They can carry stuff on their back for hours. They can work the fields for hours. And it's funny cause like the whole time they're barefoot and like they're, they're super mobile and it's just, they're healthy people. They're, they move like humans are supposed to move. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to get into the chiropractor that you worked with and dive in a little bit deeper as far as what sort of things he had you doing to get through this full range of motion and then strengthen throughout that full range of motion. What did that whole process look like? Um, yeah, so it was pretty, uh, I guess his goal now that I look back at it was to simplify this world, this, this really complex looking world for me, you know? So the biggest thing he taught me was, um, okay, like, yes, you can move through X range of motion, but you also should be able to move through this range of motion. So the way he did that was, um, first thing first, he put me in a low squat and I was like, it was just awful. It was so uncomfortable. I think I, I was able to stay in it for like 20 seconds maybe. And then he was like, okay, yeah, there's number one, work on that. And then um, so he essentially simplified like all, all movement patterns for me. He's like, uh, so if you want to move in a certain way, first, you got to own that range of motion in a, uh, isometric manner. So just only holding that, that position. So whether it's a low squat or being like a negative position on like a calf drop and just being able to balance in that position, um, or whether you're like in the airplane position, um, so you're, I don't know, lengthening your posterior chain while activating your glutes, um, and stabilizing at the same time, or whether you're just being like in a low squat, but up on your toes, 
Um, so you're just strengthening your, the arches of your feet in a really controlled environment. Um, so I guess his way that he taught me this stuff was to um, really be able to own the full range of motion, whether it's not moving and just holding the position or moving through it as slowly as possible. And then once you can own those two, you can increase speeds. Um, but, and it's funny because when I fell into this, I guess this really frustrating stress fracture, I also met another coach. His name was, is Ryan Kempson. He also competes in, um, Spartan races. And then he trains through the Burdenko method, uh, which is a, which essentially has people moving through all sorts of different ranges of motion, but at three speeds, slow, medium, and fast. So then whether you're working with a kettlebell or a barbell or just with body weight or with bands, you're covering your bases, slow, medium, and fast. Um, so yeah, I was lucky because I guess they're, they went hand in hand, um, what they were teaching me. Yeah. Awesome. I know you've dealt with some other injuries. What I really want to dive into is the IT band issue that took you out for quite a while last year. Um, what did that, do you know what, first of all, do you know what caused it? And then kind of what was that process like to get back to being able to run again? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think a big thing that I struggled with in my running career, which a lot of, um, runners in general that start later in their life uh, deal with is by building volume too fast and then you just fall into a bunch of overuse injuries. Um, so that's what caused it uh, for me. So last beginning of last summer, I decided to start coaching myself, uh, which wasn't a great idea. So I just <laughs> a bunch of volume into myself and then things were going great. I got really fit, but that only lasted for about like two weeks because my body just, uh, the soft tissue started breaking down. Um, and then, I don't know, all of a sudden I just, just popped up, like this IT band syndrome popped up. And it was really frustrating because, um, I don't know, just constantly, every couple of months I was dealing with some sort of overuse injury, which was just, I was so confused. Like, I don't know, I was like 22 years old, healthy dude, active, like, eats really healthy, good sleep schedule, you know, um, trying to be, I don't know, competitive in the Spartan race and mountain running scene. And I was like, why is, are these injuries happening to me? It's so confused. Um, which actually led me to, uh, meet my current coach. Um, his name is Taylor Cruz. And then he's the one that actually helped me get through the IT band syndrome, um, which, was a really long process. So then I guess the way we did that was we did a movement screening and then in that movement screening, he found that um, just like essentially things were still really rigid. Like I didn't, when I walked, I didn't have any movement in my pelvis. My lumbar spine was super immobile. Same with my thoracic um, spine and my cervical spine. And then, um, so just based off that, um, it was pretty safe to say that most likely my tissues downstream still needed a lot of work. Like even though I had been working pretty consistently on them, but we needed just more targeted work. So then 
with Taylor, he was like, okay, like we can definitely fix this IT band thing, but you have bigger issues to worry about. And that is like the mobility of everything else. If you want to be competitive, if you want to be a competitive athlete and have a, a long, uh, and, and if you want longevity and I was like, okay, let's do this. So then we essentially literally mobilized every single, um, joint in the body consistently over time. And then, um, that, that helped me immensely. You know, it just helped me regain so much, uh, mobility. So like in the beginning of the process, I couldn't pistol squat. I couldn't squat, get in a low squat with my feet together. But within two months, a month and a half, I was able to pistol on both legs and get in a low squat with my feet together, which just for me was huge because like those were movements that I'd look at them and I'm like, yeah, I guess those aren't for me. You know, that's just, I'm not meant to move like that. Um, yeah. But it's, it's really interesting because the mobility he had me doing is like, it's such simple movements, you know? It's like that you think like, yeah, these are a given, like everyone can do these, you know? But then when you actually get to work on them and understand these ranges of motion, you're like, wow, there is so much more that the body can do um, when we actually give it the attention it deserves, you know? Like I'm like, so one of the biggest things that was, that caused my IT band was um, just my lower leg mobility. So I guess the ability to move my um, my lower leg according to my femur. So um, essentially moving my tibia, like internally rotating it and externally rotating it. Um, I like, he showed me like, this is the next step in your mobility. And I was like, I, I, I can't, I can't move it. Like I, did, I just didn't, that that brain that that neuromuscular connection it was inexistent to me you know and then like as time went on we just um started finding a whole bunch of points in my body that i was like this movement pattern is inexistent to me you know um and then once i regained that function the it band syndrome ceased and then like when it went away it went away in full force which was fascinating you know as soon as i regained that uh that neuromuscular control of my lower leg and like my ankles and my hips, like it really um, buried it, which is, which was incredible to me. And it was really a real eye opener. You know, it's like the work I did with Dr. Justin Brink is like huge. Like that was like the beginning steps to, to where I am right now. But then Taylor Cruz just really opened my eyes to like a whole another layer of mobility, much more detailed, much more targeted. Cause like, um, and it's not even the mobility that he opened my eyes to. It's like the power that comes with practicing these movements for preventing injuries. So like now we're at the point that we're taking the body into ranges of motion that can be potentially threatening, but we're working them slowly. So when I encounter them while running down the mountain, I've already been there and it gives me a fighting chance to not roll my ankle or like, I don't know hurt my knee or whatever it is um which has been huge for for what i do um yeah definitely and i think i know you mentioned you had an ankle sprain very recently and came back from it within i think a week so probably a lot of that work that you're you've been doing with yeah. him to to address that is why you got back as quick as you did yeah so one of the first 
uh, mobility exercise Taylor taught me was like, um, is literally just tilting my ankle on the, with the floor, like with my ankle still touching the floor. So we're slowly, uh, slowly. So imagine an ankle roll. Um, I'm just trying to explain it away so people listening can <laughs> imagine. So imagine. So imagine you roll your ankle, right? So then what Taylor did with me or taught me or told me to do was like, okay, Johnny, we're going to roll your ankle in a controlled environment very slowly. And then over time, this range is going to increase. And then what happens when you do that controlled ankle roll, ankle roll, um, you begin to dominate this new, uh, yeah, have control of this new position, but you're also increasing your tissue tolerance. So like every time you take it through that range of motion, yes, it can be threatening if you, in, if you go into that range of motion really fast and with a lot of force, but if you go into it slowly in control, you can become friendly with this range of motion. And when you encounter it on the trails, you understand it and you can pop right out of it. Or like in my case, like I got into a range of motion on the trails that was not, uh, it was just, I, it was just so like, I literally stepped into a hole and my ankle just cracked in it. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was sort of one of those inevitable things. Um, but I think the reason I was able to bounce back from it so quick, um, it was a grade two ankle sprain or grade three, um, like my ankle is massive, like the two days after, like I couldn't wait there or anything, um, was because I was able to bounce back so quick because I'd already gotten into so many similar positions so many times leading up to that, that the tissues, like they'd already been there, but this was just like a lot bigger than they'd been there. So, um, luckily, um, the tissues, they were, I guess they had a certain, they had a pretty big range of flexibility already. So the damage that happened wasn't as big as it could have been if I hadn't done that mobility leading up to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely makes sense. That's awesome. What does your training volume look like now? Um, right now I'm running about eight to nine hours per week and I'm, I'm on the bike for about 10 hours per week. And then on top of that, I do... I guess about one to two hours of mobility per day. Uh, Whether that mobility is with resistance, without resistance, um, it depends uh, where we're at, Um, just in what day of the week. But then I also strength train once a week. Um, And then I do a bunch of uh, stability work, um, which really, yeah, which every athlete needs especially when it's done correctly. (laughs) That is ideal. That's the key right there. Done correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Strength training wise, what sorts of things are you doing on, like what areas of focus are you working on? Yeah. So um, that's a funny question because the way I see it, like, especially now that I work with, been working with Taylor, um, mobility is strength training, but just in awkward positions. Mm -hmm. So when I say I'm doing mobility, I'm actually like strengthening tissues and ranges of motion that, um, they just haven't been worked in a while, you know? Uh, so we take our mobility and then band them, which adds resistance to the range of motion, um, which is really interesting, you know, band them or we wrap a muscle floss around it, which is interesting because it creates a 
a proprioceptive effect. It just helps you um, create that neuromuscular connection faster. Um, but then when we talk about specific strength training, uh, right now, since I'm in season, I'm only strength training once a week. And there it's literally just, um, I guess, the bare bones of strength training. Um, because uh, my, so I guess right now my strength day is just one movement with the barbell, um, one explosive movement, um, and then one uh, high load core movement. So like <clears throat> suitcase carry or like uh, you snatch you snatch the kettlebell up and uh, yeah, I guess you not snatch it, but you clean it and then you just, it's essentially like a suitcase carry, but you're hold, holding the kettlebell in a different spot. Um, and that just helps load your core and a sport specific way um yeah i mean my strength training is really simple right now uh because i just if i strength train too much right now it'll just be tricky to recover with all the running i'm doing yeah and cycling absolutely um, the goal of the strength training is just to uh make sure that i still have a high motor recruitment in my post posterior chain and then also when i do pull-ups because pull-ups are important for Spartan races. Um, that's the main thing. Um, and it helps. Uh, and it's, I also choose a barbell because it helps with, helps prevent, uh, just bone stress injuries, helps increase bone density, which is really important, especially with my history of, um, having had a stress fracture. Um, yeah. So I'd say that's what it looks like, but off season, I'd say, your strength training changes definitely. The volume increases just because your running and cycling volume is lower. And it's important to um, take time during the year to increase your strength and uh, try to take care of all imbalances possible. Um, I think that goes a long way for all athletes in every sport. Even if you do run year round, um, there's no excuse. Like you got to take time to cover your bases. Absolutely. So one thing that I've always found interesting with runners and I don't know if it's because when I was in high school, our cross country coach has lifting twice a week. So for me, I just grew up like you lift if you're a runner, that just makes sense. And there's so like most runners I talk to that just like all I do is strictly run. And it just astounds me that like, just because the strength was so like set into me growing up. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um, so a couple of months ago, I moved out to Boulder um, just to just because it's the place to be if you want to become a better runner. Because <laughs> yeah, the, I mean the density of the concentration of professional high level runners is so high here, and just high level athletes in general. Um, but it's funny because like I go running with these guys, and they haven't touched a barbell in a barbell or anything, and in years you know and they are constantly dealing with all these stress injuries you know it's like a big component like i understand why they don't want that why they think they don't need to because like i guess the more you run the more economical you become and like the game for them is be becoming the most economical runner possible and then carrying extra weight can take away from that economy depending how you strength train you know um so yeah, it's, I see that all the time out here and it's just like, 
you are like the way when I see that happen, I'm like, you are literally taking away from your potential running um, potential. Yeah, that's that's not the way to put it. I said potential twice in one sentence. Uh, you're taking away <laughs> potential running capacity um, by literally not even running too much by not taking one or two days a week to get into the gym, you know? Yeah. Uh, Cause I don't know. I feel like strength training in any way uh, can help, will, will help reduce injuries. Um, and it can help re- increase running economy as well. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. How many are, yeah, I'll this one first. How many races do you typically do a year? What's your season? What's it look like? Um, yeah. So in the past couple of seasons, like so 2017 was my first season back from having a stress fracture that year. I did about five races, I want to say. And then 2018, um, unfortunately I only did like two or three races because I was uh, finishing up school and then I, I got the IT band syndrome, which just took me out for like a massive part of my season. But this year, I'll probably end up doing about close to 10. I think I've done um, four, five. I've done five so far. And then I have two coming up in the next three weeks. Okay. Um, Yeah, but I'd say a season ideally for me will have about uh 10 to 12 races four four of them being about um less than 80 minutes long and then two or three of them being i don't know in the two hour range and then i'd like to be able to fit in like two like i don't know like three four races that are about uh 30k to 50k but we'll see you know we'll see how volume progresses and like how my body holds up um but it's yeah that's just me i'd say i'm definitely one of the more conservative racers um in racing like a lot of the people i race they've done i don't know twice as many races as me already this year alone and it's july so it's like (laughs) um that's not for me i really enjoy my process of training and like being able to take a couple weeks between races to really um just look at your weaknesses, look at your strengths and be like, okay, this is what I need to target this time being. Um, and it's just like, I really enjoy that process. Um, I think that's what makes being an, uh, a high level athlete special as well, because you gotta, if you want to be good at it, you gotta be really honest with yourself, you know, whether it's like looking at what you've been doing and being like, okay, I've been neglecting this, let's do this, you know? Um, and I feel like when you race too much, you really can't do that. Um, and then, and racing is just tough on the body, uh, unfortunately. But like with my history of injuries, I think I, I got to be more conservative um, just so I can get through my, my main races, like in the season. Like, yes, I'd love to do like a whole bunch of random races because they look fun. But I know that um, I got to focus. and take care of the small things so I can do the races that really matter to me. Um, but I'm sure I'll be able to get to plenty of other races throughout my racing career. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. 
What's your ratio typically of Spartan to just mountain running? Um, so this year I'm doing about, I think I'm doing six Spartan races and then, um, yeah, I sort of, <laughs> I, I'm doing about six mountain, uh, six Spartan races and then probably about four mountain races. Um, those are still up in the air, uh, because my biggest thing this year was, okay, take care of the Spartan racing. Um, this is where you can really, um, do well and shine, um, and focus on those this year, which in Spartan race, we have the national series here in the U S which is five races that each race you get points and at the, ra- at the end of the season you get ranked and whatnot. And then you have the world championship race, uh, which is in October. So I'd say that's my main focus this year. And then I'm sprinkling in some mountain races um, towards the end of the year. Um, I have, so yeah, I'd say it's about 60% Spartan racing and then 40% um uh, what's it called mountain running. So I'll do six Spartan races this year and then four mountain running races okay. um, this year, mountain or trail, whatever, whatever it comes up. Um, but yeah, this year my focus was Spartan racing. Nice. Um, it just simplify, just help simplify my life and uh, narrow my focus a bit. Um, just, yeah, to make sure, cause I just to make sure I get my time to train, you know? Yeah, absolutely. When's your next race? Uh, next weekend, uh, actually. Um, July 21st, I believe. Okay. It's the last race of the Spartan Race National Series. Um, and, yeah, it should be interesting. And then right after that, the week, the week after that, I have a bar trail mountain race, um, which apparently this year is quite a competitive mountain race here in the U.S., so I'm excited to see how I measure up against some of the – top us mountain runners will be nice. exciting that'll be awesome yeah i'm excited cool cool all right so just kind of to close it out if people want to talk to you follow you how can they do that uh instagram is definitely the best way uh it's at johnny luna lima um yeah just comment on my picture or uh message me um and i will get back to you for sure Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And that concludes this episode of Highly Functional. I truly appreciate the time you spend to listen to myself and my colleagues share with you how to become highly functional individuals and how to be highly functional individuals. If you learned great information from this, I would love for you to share it with your friends and help them become highly functioning individuals as well. Until next time, go out and be highly functional.